Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to the next episode on the video education series. And for those of you catching the podcast, welcome back to the next episode of Encourage, Motivate, Inspire. So big, big update here. And for those who are connected with me on Instagram, uh, you guys might have learned recently that throughout my mental health journey, um, I've been advocating for my health. I've been changing my life mentally, physically, and emotionally to get to the point where I feel comfortable to start re-experimenting with my mental health medication. But that isn't going to sound interesting or relevant if I don't share a little bit more. So for those of you who know me personally as well, uh, you guys have probably heard past podcast episodes about this. Um, those no longer exist <laughs> on Anchor. And obviously, if you're catching this on YouTube, my series is a little newer on here. Um, but for most of my life, I could definitely look back. And now that I have the diagnosis of bipolar depression, I can look at different cycles and chapters of my life and be like, yep, you most definitely showed signs, symptoms, all of that. Uh, previous to my diagnosis. So um, leading up to the diagnosis, I had still been owning my wedding planning business, LCN Events. I started LCN Events at a 22 years old, um, officially in August of 2017. So when my husband and I moved to where we live now for his full-time job, um, I was feeling a little stuck. College was always hard for me and trying to figure out what I wanted to do once we figured out we were staying in Ohio, uh, was a little more challenging for me and my husband's super supportive. He was never one to be like, well, you have to get a job, so figure it out. And so that gave me the creative freedom, uh, to explore my other talents and passions. And I decided I've always wanted to start a business, uh, that didn't come as a surprise to anyone. I knew events really well. And so I did the damn thing. Uh, 2018 was a building year for me. Very exciting. I mean, I got started August of 17 and had two weddings in 17. It was awesome. Like who would have thought you start a wedding planning business and all of a sudden people figure out who you are and they want to work with you. 2018 had a couple different weddings, um, and all was going good, really big building year, social media and marketing and figuring out what I wanted to offer, how much I was going to offer it for networking, traveling, all of these things to, you know, make a business as successful as you possibly can. In 2019, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, how the hell did I do it? And people who knew me probably thought the same thing. Uh, 2019, I executed 10 weddings. So if you've ever planned a wedding before and you thought it was really stressful, imagine planning 10, but then being at 10 weddings in one year, making sure everything went smooth and you physically working and operating a wedding. I don't know how the hell I did it. I really don't. I wish I could tell you that was crazy to be here where I am now and be like, why, how? Um, and I, it was just me. I didn't have employees. Um, the way that I planned was very, very methodical. So it allowed me to really just show up, um, and kick ass, but it also allowed, uh, the vendors that were hired, um, by my couples to just show up and do what they do best. And everyone enjoyed everything. There was no stress, no worries. There was nothing that came up that couldn't be handled, and yeah, I got to touch the lives of, you know, 10 couples in 2019 and their families and friends. And again, still meeting with vendors and putting on styled shoots and life was good. Life was good. Um, after my last wedding in October of 2019, I had a lot of time to reflect on just on how unhealthy I was. I neglected my physical, my mental and emotional health because again, stress of wedding planning, but planning 10, executing 10, the physical demands of working long 18 hour, 18 hour days, 
being on your feet, not having time to eat, not having time to drink water, not hardly having time to go to the bathroom and just experiencing what wedding pros call the wedding hangover where the next day after a wedding, you were on the couch, everything hurts, you're tired, you're exhausted, you feel like you got hit by a truck 10 times (laughs) because I did it 10 times in one year. So I kind of sat and finally had some downtime and I was like, man, there's a lot of things I'll do differently next year. Because there's also that pressure as a business owner of people don't really get it, right? Like if you've not owned a business, I'm sorry, you're not ever going to fully understand what we business owners go through. So some of this podcast might seem like, what? But again, if you haven't been there, you haven't been there. I'm not trying to be mean about it. Like you can't, you can only be so empathetic. Um, And so you have imposter syndrome. It's like, who the hell am I to charge this? Or who the hell am I to do these things? Or you just kind of feel like you're in your own way because you're stressed about finances. Like you, you don't get a paycheck. You don't collect a paycheck. You're not on someone's payroll. You don't have business or you better have business insurance. You don't necessarily have health insurance. It's hella expensive as a small business owner. So you're constantly stressed about where's that next dollar coming from? Like you still have bills to pay, but when you're building a business, it's expensive one to get started, but the money doesn't just start flowing in right away, right? You are in control. And what people don't understand about the wedding industry, unless you work in the wedding industry or you've paid for a wedding is as a vendor, you get paid upon booking. So like a non-refundable retainer, for example, but then you don't get paid until about two weeks out unless you do payment plans or something like that, or you structure it differently. But typically you get paid the rest of your project fee about two weeks before the event. So if you are working with a couple, like when I was planning, you know, maybe a year, year and a half, you collect half or whatever that percentage is up front, but you're not seeing the rest of that project payment for like a year and a half, right? So it's like, okay, well, how do you make money between that? You don't have recurring income, or at least as a wedding planner, I didn't. I didn't have like monthly stuff coming in. It was, I better be booking if I'm going to make money and be able to pay my bills and be able to support Brandon and I, right? Uh, granted he was still working, but I've always, finances have always been a trigger. So if I'm not contributing financially, I feel like it doesn't matter all the other things I do. I just feel like a failure. Sorry. That's just something I have to work through. All right. So I sat down and I thought about all the things I needed to do differently. I feel like I was listening to people who said I should be doing things a certain way. And I just didn't feel fully aligned with my business. I, you know, felt resentful about being on social media. I was just tired and exhausted. And I felt like I wasn't as passionate as I could be. And it's because I felt like I was doing things that didn't agree with me just because I felt that pressure to do them or offering services. I didn't really want to offer just because I felt like it was expected as a wedding planner based on what other people were offering. So tis the season in Ohio for, you know, things were getting colder and the weather was changing. And I've always kind of suffered from seasonal depression and this one hit me really hard because to be transparent, I didn't have a ton of wedding books, weddings booked for 2020. So I was freaking out because as someone who offered full service planning, I was, you know, couples were booking with me upon getting engaged and I helped them with everything through the wedding, everything. If you planned a wedding, everything, if you haven't just wait until you start planning everything. I was with them every step of the way, always available, helping with everything I possibly could. So not having a lot of weddings booked meant, well, man, I might pick up more of like the, the day of or month of type stuff, which I was trying to stay away from. So I was like, man, if I don't have a lot of stuff booked right now, like this isn't a, a good thing. So that was a lot of stress and pressure that it was hard to vocalize to people because they just wouldn't understand. Right. And let me just caveat it by saying, you know, Brandon never put pressure on me to do any of this. This is just me in my head. Okay. 
There was no pressure to be booking all the time to have a ton of money coming in. It was just, I wanted to be successful and this was my business baby. So I needed to freaking make it work. So like I said, going into seasonal depression, don't have a lot of weddings booked. I'm freaking out. I'm just not in a good space mentally. I'm exhausted. All the physical implications of me not taking care of myself was, uh, uh, you know, piling up on me and catching up with me. And I just felt awful about myself physically, mentally, and emotionally. I was drained. I weighed really, really unhealthily. My body fat percentage was high. I wasn't working out. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't staying hydrated. I wasn't managing my stress. It was a year from hell. I was just go, 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 go. And I didn't slow down. I didn't slow down. And so I wasn't sleeping very well during these couple months of seasonal depression. I couldn't focus on anything. I wasn't motivated. I just felt shitty guys. I just felt really low. So the new year comes and I'm freaking out because again, you know, it's a new year. Everyone's got new year, new me resolutions. And I'm just hoping that I can keep my business afloat. Uh, this rumor of COVID-19 was becoming a thing. Obviously this was before lockdown and before anyone knew anything, but it's like, oh, well, if this is a thing, you know, no one knew what they knew about the pandemic before it hit. No one could be prepared for that. So of course, naturally as someone who overthinks and worries and had a business on the line with no backup, I was freaking out. Who wouldn't? Um, so yeah, so January hit and my 25th birthday, I'm a January baby Capricorn through and through. And that quarter life crisis was setting in and kind of felt like a failure if I didn't know what I was doing with my business or if I had to go back and work for someone because I went and spoke about entrepreneurship. I had people rooting for me and people who felt inspired by me. And I just took on all of that weight, which I didn't need to, but I did. And it got to the point where uh, my mom's like, I'm putting you on my health insurance. You need to go see someone. And I completely agree. And so trigger warning, we're going to talk about uh, bipolar depression here and it's going to be very, very transparent of what it's like living with bipolar depression um, when you experience what's called mania, aka you're like super up versus super down, which is your depression. So I wasn't in a good place. I was desperate for help. Went and saw a psychiatrist and I have a lot of resentment for the psychiatrist because I feel like he failed me as a clinician Reason being is when you meet with a therapist, okay, therapist, psychiatrist, two different things, same thing with mental health, but two different things. When you meet with the therapist, they can't really start to help you until they know you. So the first couple sessions, you're telling them your life story. Now, a psychiatrist has the power to prescribe powerful medication, medication that is a trial and error. That's just kind of guess and check. It's it either works or it doesn't. And I do not feel as if he did his due diligence of getting to know me enough to perhaps pick up on cycles that at the time, maybe I didn't think anything of to realize that there was a good chance that I was bipolar or have bipolar disorder. And instead I had said, I'm open. I cannot feel like this, you know, um, trigger warning, but, um, never acted on it. Never would. I would never want to give up on myself, but I was to a point where I was just like, I don't want to be here. So I was desperate. And when you go to a doctor, right, you should think you should be able to trust them. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And I wasn't in a headspace to try and advocate for myself or question his doing. And so I felt as if he listened to buzzwords and kind of just saw that I was a mess and I looked like hell. And he, you know, I was saying like, I feel like I go through seasonal depression and anxious and I can't focus all common things that are actually mistyped for bipolar in some cases. And so he prescribed me Zoloft, which is an antidepressant. 
And within a short period of time, I went from, I don't want to be here to whacked out of my mind. Now for discretionary purposes, for privacy purposes, I'm not going to share everything. Um, however, it was very traumatic how I was feeling, how I was thinking the shit I was saying. Um, physically, I just remember not sleeping. My brain wouldn't stop going. I kind of felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. Um, like I said, I said, and did some really dumb shit. I probably scared a lot of people. Obviously the people closest to me have some PTSD from it and trauma as well. Um, it was terrifying and I knew something was wrong, but you know, I've never been on medication before, let alone the wrong medication to know just how bad things were until I contacted a friend and I said, I need to go to the hospital, but I can't drive. The rest of that day was bad. And again, for personal preferences, um, discretionary privacy, I'm not going to share all that happened, but I will openly share that I did stay in a hospital setting to get me off of those medications because again, I was not on the right medications. And because of that full-blown mania, it was easy to be able to properly diagnose me as bipolar depression. So unfortunately it took all of that for the psychiatrist to be like, oh shit. So I was in the hospital for a week and upon getting out, um, I had a lot I had to work through, right? And they were trying to figure out the right medication. And about March of 2020, lockdown has happened. I don't have a business. I don't know what's next. Um, my family obviously went through a lot during that time, but I'm the one who has to deal with it and live it because it's me and it's my body and it's my brain. And it was my actions, regardless if I was in control or regardless if I was me or not, it still happened to me. And what happened to me happened to the people that I love and are very close to me. And it sucks. <laughs> it really fucking sucks, you guys. Um. So anyway, life post-diagnosis and trying to come down off the wrong meds and find the right meds was hard. I felt like I was trying to fight myself to figure out who I was because I was so delusional on those meds that there is a potential scare to people that maybe I was schizophrenic, which I am not. But if you've never been on a medication before that literally alters your mind in a way that you do not feel in control, you're not going to understand this. And for some people who don't take mental health seriously or think it's a stigma or are very uncomfortable that I'm being open about it, I'm sorry that that's your feelings, but I am here to help others and help give others a voice. So if this is not your alley, just stop listening or stop watching because this isn't for you. It's for me. And I find it very healing and therapeutic for me to be able to tell my story because I know I'm helping other people regardless if I, you know, hear from these people or not. And I'm okay with being judged. I'm okay with people thinking differently of me. Your opinion is none of my, is none of my business. And I, to be quite blunt, I don't care. Um, anyway, so I had to make a resume, uh, had to figure out what the hell I wanted to do, had to start searching for jobs, which was traumatic in its own way, because I feel like I failed as a business owner. And again, was kind of fighting myself of trying to get my brain off of those wrong meds and get back to a normal 
life, right? Of not all of the things that happened on the wrong meds. And it was hard. I put a lot of pressure on myself to just magically snap out of it, but you can't. Like you literally just have to let it run its course. And I didn't want that because I didn't like how I felt. And so anyway, started um, a full-time job working for someone else. And it was difficult to transition because it's not that I don't make a good employee. It's that I'm very opinionated and I want what's best for the company because I'm an entrepreneur. So I tend to take on additional responsibility to actually like move the business forward versus just being like, Hey, this is your job. Like just do it. Um, which is hard again, because if I'm going to do something, I want to do it because I love it and I want to be passionate about it. And I personally can never just work in a job to work in a job. That's just, I cannot, <laughs> I can't, I just can't. I never see as a job as just a job or as a job is a way to earn money and make a living. Like I, I, I cannot live that life. That's just, that's just me. I can't. Um, so that was hard. I feel like I failed. Um, and working for someone else was challenging, but it was also, again, trying to find the right medication, a lot of trial and error. And once we found the right combo and that combo fully kicked in and the old wrong misdiagnosed medication was out of my system, I was like, wow, this must be what it feels like to feel normal because I was so terrified of who I was and how I felt and what I did and said on the wrong medication. I didn't question it. I was happy and accepted it with open arms and embraced it. So as the months went on, um, things started kind of falling back into place. Life started normalizing again. And I decided that, you know, I had written a book, um, a, well, I outlined a book in 2017, fall of 17, after kind of starting the business. I, I remember sitting in my apartment and Brandon's on one couch playing video games and I'm on the other. And I said, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> and he's probably like, the fuck? Um, I said, I'm going to write a book. And I outlined it. And I never touched again until I was manic. And after coming down off of those meds and whatnot, I finished the book. It's a uh, self-help personal development book that shares my journey with mental illness, pre-diagnosis before even realizing something was wrong with me mentally. Um, and it is, it was my survival guide. And my hope is that it's someone else's survival guide too, because not everyone has the support system. I do not everyone has insurance. Not everyone can openly talk like I can. And I sometimes feel like I can't openly talk either for fear of, triggering other people who unfortunately were part of the PTSD of what happened. And it sucks to sometimes feel like I can't open up to those people because I lived it and they lived it with me, but they're not me. Um, they don't carry that burden and I have PTSD. And since I had, since then I've always been afraid of having a good day and vocalizing it because what if they think I'm up? What if they think I forgot to take my meds or what if I have a bad day and they think I forgot to take my meds or that they have to be concerned or watch me or monitor me. That doesn't feel like I'm living my own life. Um, and I'm not a robot being on meds. I'm allowed to have feelings, right? So that sucks to feel like I don't have that outlet in this podcast and social media has been an outlet to me because you all were not there. So you don't have that emotional connection to that. Anyway, 
I'll just say, um, I finished this book at the end of each chapter, there's reflection questions. So the readers can do some self-reflection, do the personal development, do the hard work that we don't really want to do. Right. Cause it uncovers traumas. It uncovers things that we haven't healed. And it's hard because you have to sit in it. You have to think through it. You have to process it and you have to do the work. And again, it was my survival guide and I want it to be someone else's. So I finally had the clarity that I needed and finished the book. Um, was able to um, do some book pre-sales, was able to donate a large chunk of change to my local chapter of National Alliance on Mental Illness. Uh, NAMI definitely helped me in a time of need. I went through some of their programs when I was in recovery, you could say, from being on the wrong meds and being misdiagnosed. <laughs> that Again, I'm still very resentful of, but if all that didn't happen, I wouldn't be the woman I am today and I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing, Right. So it is what it is. Um, and I, every day will learn to work through that and accept it. So anyway, I finished this book and haven't touched it since. And I'll get back into that in a second, but so it's 2020, I'm navigating this new life, you know, same me, but different at the same time. And I was really miserable in that job. And I couldn't get over the the fear of or the feeling of failure because I still wasn't working for myself and my wedding planning business you know events and weddings were called off so it was like okay this is the end of that chapter right but I didn't know what was next for me so it wasn't like I jumped into a you know another business and I just didn't know what to do and you know crazy how all that happened because here I am today a nutrition coach um well nutritionist fitness coach whatever you want to call it But what got me there was the end of 2020, I had started applying to other jobs and, you know, I take this lightly, but one of the better things that came out of this pandemic was that employers realized remote work works. It created a lot more job opportunities for people and they didn't have to be locked into a physical geographic location, which allowed me to then start working for a health tech startup, which being in a startup space is kind of like building a business. It's kind of like making this business, like you have part in it, you are the business. So I felt more aligned again and I felt more in tune with where I needed to go. And it's health related, which finally made sense for me to start studying nutrition and fitness, which I kind of had already been officially studying to help me help myself these past several years. And even prior to the diagnosis and I was so excited, you guys, because I would have studied this shit in college, but I suck at taking tests and I already failed a couple classes in school studying business and it just wasn't the right path for me. And now it finally made sense. And when I sat down and started the business in 2017, um, hopefully this friend's listening. He's a good supporter, great supporter of the podcast and a good friend, uh, he and his wife and, um, sitting at Olive Garden with him and Brandon, I was trying to figure out what to name the business because I didn't want to pigeonhole myself to weddings and events back then. And I wanted to do more coaching and consulting, but I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. I didn't have the experience and it didn't make sense. Um, Not yet, but I knew where I'm at right now is where I wanted to get to, but I didn't see the way there. And my book's called Visionary. So I was a visionary at the time and still am, but I knew it would eventually come together. I just didn't know the timeline or the ups and downs that would get there. And he's, and I said, I want it to be based on my lifestyle and my life and just helping people in all these different ways. He said, how about lifestyle, Courtney, Nicole? For those of you who know me, my middle name is definitely not Nicole. It's Noel. So that was hilarious because we're all laughing like, hey, by the way, that's not my middle name, but I like it. (laughs) And um, yeah, it was health, wellness, lifestyle. That's what it was. Consultant is what I called myself for the first time. And then I got into weddings and LCN events, became a uh, DBA name. 
doing business as for those who aren't familiar, LCN, Lifestyle Courtney Well, that's how all that came to be. Um, so anyway, so this fitness and nutrition things finally coming together, working for this health tech company. And the more I studied and the more I fell into my role as mar- uh, director of marketing with this company, I officially, you know, bit the bullet and started signing up for certification courses and classes to really formally have education because I feel as if you are dealing with someone's freaking health, you better be educated in some form outside of you just researching stuff and being an influencer on social media. If you do not have some sort of credentials or if you work with someone who doesn't have credentials, freaking run, okay? You need formal education when it comes to someone's body. What works for one person isn't going to work for everyone. And there's so much misinformation and people are trying to help people, but they're really harming people and doing more harm than good, especially with all these MLM, multi-level marketing companies like Beachbody, Herbalife, Isogenics, Plexus, Octavia, Arbon, Advocare, it works. You know, there's no magic pill, tea, or shake to make you be the healthiest and happiest you. But a lot of people think that because they associate their worth with the number on the scale. Let me just say that weight loss does not equal fat loss, totally different things. And you don't want to lose muscle while trying to lose weight. And a lot of those programs, quote unquote, will have that weight change in a drastic way because of really crazy restrictions and unsustainable methods. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're losing muscle mass quicker than you're losing fat mass, but different topic for a different day. So I'm not one of those coaches. I have formal education. I have certifications. I'm constantly continuing my education. That's what allows me to do what I do and feel damn good about it. And then I decided, you know what? It's time to start building this business because I always knew I'd end up working for myself again. Again, I envisioned this years ago, but it takes time to build a business. So I started. And uh, so all good there, all good there. 2021 comes to an end. 2022, I'm feeling aligned. I'm you know launching programs. I'm an online coach. I have clients all over the world, not just in the US, not just locally to where I live. And um, you know, when it comes to working for someone else, nothing is ever secure at all. And I had a 12 hour heads up that I was no longer going to be employed with said company at the end of February, which meant that no longer have source of income and no longer have health insurance, which most of my life, I feel like I really haven't had health insurance or been able to use it. So to no surprise there. Now I'd be doing Brandon and I's relationship a disservice if I didn't talk slightly about, obviously we got engaged, uh, September, 2021, huge milestone, just really made us feel closer and connected. And I love it and everything about that, but you know, we got engaged, but now we're married and I'm sure you want to hear more about the wedding, right? So we're going to get there, but I just want to say, you know, 2021 was a damn good year for a lot of reasons. So now it's February, 2022. I no longer have a job and it was, you know, kind of make or break sink or swim. It's like, all right, we're doing this. Now, let me just say again, throughout this journey, Brandon never pressured me to get a job. That was all me putting the pressure on myself to contribute financially. Cause again, finances have always been a trigger. There's been times in my life where most of my life, uh, I just have not had money and it's been difficult. So then when I do have money, I wasn't the best with it because I was buying things that I wish I had had or stockpiling stuff because, well, what if I don't have money again? Trauma, all of that for a different day. It's in my books. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I didn't really have time to grieve that and process that. I was emotional when I got the call and I cried, but I didn't really have time to process it because guess what? You got to make it work. And so thus the business began and it was very successful and still is uh, almost a full year later, but I didn't really have time to process that. 
And then in March, I had worked with a coach and <laughs> um, things weren't the same after that. I should not have trusted that coach and his methods because what he wanted me to do was not something that I would have done on my clients. He dropped my macros very low, very fast, had me doing a lot of things when it came to training that didn't align with me. And my body kind of started going backwards. I felt, you know, I was supposed to be in a cut um, or a deeper deficit. It was too deep, too fast. Um, and kind of threw off my hormones, started having skin problems, bloating, inflammation, gut issues. I've always had gut issues. So they got worse all the while. Remember I'm getting married. So I have the pressure of fitting in a freaking dress because unlike what I preach that clothes are meant to fit you when you buy a wedding dress and you get it tailored to you. When it comes in, in the size you ordered, if your body does not fit it anymore, you're going to have to pay for alterations. And guess what? I didn't want to pay more money. So I was in this weird mental state of shit. Now I'm not going to fit my dress when it comes in. How am I supposed to heal myself, but maintain, but not lose, but not gain. And it was just a cluster in my head, right? Because I'm responsible for other people's health. I can help anyone else, but it's really hard doing what I do when I can't figure out what's going on in my own body. So I'm not grieving, but kind of grieving the loss of a job I really enjoyed. And now I have to figure out how to, you know, make money, but also make sure that I somehow stay in good health until I have health insurance. Because again, I didn't have it until Brandon and I got married. I'm, you know, 27. It's not like I could be put on my parents' insurance and I sure as hell wasn't going to get my own through the business too expensive. So that's a lot of pressure with all my health issues, right? And paying for medication. And I have other health issues that I've talked about in previous episodes and it's in the book too, but it's a, it, it's a scary world living without, uh, insurance. So anyway, um, the year goes on, things are going great with the business, um, celebrations for getting married and some things didn't go the way that they should have gone. So then I'm grieving losses of a long-term friendship. Um, but at the same time, trying to not get, let that get me down. Cause I have a wedding to be excited about and prepare for. And then, uh, final dress fitting and just stressing about fitting in the dress. I would overeat on some days from stress, undereat on some days. I just wasn't my healthiest self, guys. There's a lot going on in my head, but I hadn't processed it. So how do I talk to anyone about it? And again, I didn't have health insurance. So it's not like I could talk to a therapist. Otherwise, trust me, guys, I would have. Um, I don't want it to seem like I'm, I just didn't do it. I couldn't. So what did I do? I turned to myself, Court, you've figured it out on your own before. You're going to keep doing it. And so I kept helping myself. Wedding comes up, guys. We eloped to the Oregon coast. Highly recommend. We'd never been out there. It was just us and our photographer and her husband was the person who legally married us. So just the four of us. Obviously, I had someone do my hair and makeup, but she wasn't actually there for the ceremony. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> After the bachelorette going to shit, um, 40 days out, the girl who was supposed to do my hair and makeup decided she wasn't doing my hair and makeup anymore. I'll leave it at that. Um, so now I'm stressed. I'm like, okay, now I don't have someone doing my hair and makeup. So then trying to find someone to do my hair and makeup 40 days out. Thank God we weren't getting married on a weekend. That's all I'm going to say. Um, found someone. She's perfect. Loved her. It, I wouldn't have changed anything about it. I'm so glad she was part of it. And the only other thing um, was flowers. I wanted to get our wedding flowers tattooed on me and I will at some point, I just haven't yet. And so these flowers were really, really significant in a lot of different ways. So it's the night before the wedding. We're loving Oregon. Everything's going well. We're super excited. The flowers get there and the flowers are not what I wanted. 
or what I expected and don't look anything like the inspiration photo. So naturally I'm freaking out because it wasn't just, I want to have flowers on my wedding day. I don't want to tattoo an inspiration photo on me. I want my actual wedding flowers to be preserved and kept and to have those tattooed on me as a symbol. I have other tattoos and I really just wanted this one. And now I'm like, well, I don't want these flowers and photos because I don't freaking like how they look. So I text my hair and makeup artist. I'm like, all right, girl, what can we do? And it just so happened because I feel like the universe and whoever else was watching out for us. Um, you know, there was a woman who, lady, whoever, florist, she's fabulous, who uh, lived half mile from our Airbnb and grows her own flowers. So highly recommend doing something like this if you can find a florist who offers it. But the morning of the wedding, we, uh, Brandon and I went to her home and we got to pick our flowers and customize it and build a bouquet together. That was just a really cool way to spend the morning together. Highly, highly recommend. And um, then we had breakfast together and then the hair and makeup artist got there and Brandon's hanging out, photographer's hanging out and we're all just, you know, hanging out while I get ready. Um, the morning was nice and slow. I got to help Brandon get dressed and get ready and then sent him and uh, um, our photographer's husband off to our ceremony spot uh, in the cliffs that we had hiked earlier that week to pick our spot and then got me ready and we went out there and I cried the whole ceremony because I was so emotional. I also wrote the ceremony because I like writing. So I think that's half the reason why I was like, I feel like I'm pouring my heart out to you and this whole thing. So it was just emotional. Let me also say that, you know, Pacific Northwest. Um, so it's a little colder. We were ready for that. It was a little gray. We were ready for that. But of the whole entire week, we were out in Oregon the day of our wedding was the only day that it was super sunny and clear. So you could really appreciate, like, I didn't realize how in the mountains we were until the fog went away. And it was perfect weather, you guys. So much so that one of the spots I wanted to take pictures at, we couldn't get to in previous days because there's no road access and it's too dangerous to actually hike it from wherever you can get to, to get all the way down to the beach. Um, but at the time that our ceremony was going to be, we couldn't get there because the tide was in. But, but again, universe, thank you, whatever. Um, after our ceremony, we went down to the beach and lo and behold, the tide was out far enough that we were able to get over to the cave. We did our first dance. The waterfall was there. It was perfect. Perfect. And I cannot wait to share with you all our wedding photos. I don't have them back yet. Um, contract says eight weeks. We're getting there. We're getting close. And it was just freaking amazing. So now I'm married. Um, I'm a wife to my almost uh, um, man, soulmate of eight years. And fe this February coming up, 2023, I'll be eight years with him. And it was perfect. So we get back and naturally, because it was so perfect and not stressful, like a typical wedding is, I have a lot of people who I've worked with are like, oh, thank God it's over. I know a lot of people are like, I wish we just eloped. And then there's me over here like, haha, <laughs> we did. And it was great. Um, so anyway, we get back and depression was sinking in. Cause I was like, man, that was so freaking perfect. And I loved it. And I didn't want to come back to Ohio. Then we got sick. We were super sick for two weeks. So now I'm like in my head about all the things that happened this year. I'm sad that the wedding's over. I was ready to get back in the gym and start healing my body and start eating better. And for two weeks, I was knocked on my ass. Both of us. That sucks. And then the weeks coming after that, finally feeling good. So I'm trying to go zero to hundred real quick. Um, with all sorts of things, overdid it, overworked myself. It was all bad. And then um, last week was my first week of like nothing. 
the week prior, I had doctor's appointments because I finally had insurance again, one of which was with my psychiatrist. One was with my OBGYN, just getting all the things out of the way. And last week was the first week I had nothing in the longest time. So I actually sat and processed and did the hard work of going through all the crap that has gone on just this year alone, because it was a good year. It was a good year. And I had a lot to be happy about, but that doesn't mean I still don't internalize a lot of these things. Right. And when I had that appointment with my psychiatrist and why this episode is so relevant, I had told him, I was like, listen, I have been through a lot in three years and I'm not the same person I was physically, mentally, or emotionally. And I would like to start the process of experimenting with my medication, which, you know, if things are good, why would you? But I was curious be curious, ask questions, you know, your body better than anyone else. And I said, I'm in such a good place. I would really like to see what it's like to potentially come off of them. You know, I had concerns just for long-term effects of the two that I'm on. So it was just kind of like, if I don't have to, you know, depend on that band-aid, which is medication. And if I can, you know, help myself in some of these ways, given bipolar disorder is chronic. So there's only so much you can do there, but I do know people who manage just fine without medication and I'm not anti-medication and it serves its time and its place, but I was curious. I wanted to see if these changes I have made would allow me to either be off of them or at least be at a lower dose. And if any, anything were to go wrong, then the medication's always there. Right. And so he was like, I don't know. I don't know. Reminded me that bipolar is chronic. And I was like, listen, I would like to do this for me. I really want to try. And so the first step is lowering the doses, right? You can't just cold turkey medication. You know, I could seize there's like one of them will cause seizures if I'm not careful, which is just scary to think about. Like, you know, medication is so tricky, helps one thing causes a slew of other problems. So I just wanted to do this for me. And I explained all these things. And he had even said that he didn't recognize me in a lot of different ways. So he agreed, you know, under medical supervision. So I'll see him every six weeks and we'll monitor everything. I was really happy to finally feel heard because every appointment I've had with him, even since the misdiagnosis always felt rushed and I didn't feel heard. And I just felt like I was kind of there and he went over the basics and then pushed me out within, you know, eight minutes. Most appointments were not longer than 10, but this appointment, I made sure he listened to me. I was stubborn and I showed him up and I was like, let's talk nutrition. Let's talk fitness. Let's talk mental health. Let's talk metabolic health. Let's talk physiological health. Let's talk all of this stuff. And he was really impressed. And he's like, damn, you know, your shit. I was like, yes. So can we be, can my curiosity and all this healing the last three years, you know, get you to a place where you feel like you can agree with me and we can try this. And he agreed. All that to say after this past week of processing everything, I had a weird moment and I'm not trying to use any of the words I did when I was manic because I don't want to trigger people, but I felt like me. I recognize me for the first time in three years. Now, if you've never been on medication or if you're not bipolar, when you're bipolar, again, you swing highs and lows. So I'm on medication to keep me neutral, right? And if you are on a medication that keeps you neutral, whether it's for bipolar or depression or anxiety or ADHD, sometimes you can be too high of a dosage, which just kind of makes you feel meh and groggy and fatigued and you don't feel motivated and you don't want to do anything. And so after what, that would have been like a little over a week of a lower dosage of both of the two medications I was on. I kind of had this like spark of like, oh, hey, like, look at you. You have a little bit more motivation. Holy shit. And I, it scared me because I was like, I haven't like felt that way 
since 2019, which then opened this door of the past three years and everything that happened to be like this whole entire time. I felt good because I felt so much better than I did when I was on the wrong meds. I didn't question how I felt to know, like, I just knew I was tired all the time. I told Brandon, I'm always tired, tired all the time. It's like, I want to do these things, but I don't have the energy or I felt like I was operating out of that. I I have to do these things versus I want to do these things. And then all of a sudden I had this little spark and I was like, wow, I feel motivated. Like this feels really good. And because I hadn't talked that way or acted that way in so long, it was triggering to people who were emotionally involved when I was in the hospital. And so a lot of it felt like I had to say, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm really fine, but I'm emotional. I'm processing this. Like how beautiful is it that I've changed my life in so many ways that I was able to experiment like what I have gone the rest of my life feeling this like fog had I not been curious and took care of myself to get to a point where we can experiment and I feel good about it and other people in my life who've been part of it feel good about it so that's beautiful right like that's poetic I don't know I think it is at least and so I just had this train of thought and this clarity and alignment. And I just felt much better about things, even though on the outside, you know, everything looked good. It didn't mean that I wasn't still holding on to emotions and feelings because I was afraid to openly say how I really felt for fear that someone would be like, oh, she has like, she's overly emotional. Did she take her meds? Or she's overly excited. Did she take her meds? Or she's really depressed. Did she take her meds? I feel like everything post misdiagnosis is always about my medication, regardless of people make it seem that way. I feel like I have to be guarded and protect myself because I don't want to be questioned. I don't want to be monitored. I just want to be Courtney is what I always say. I just want to be me, right? And it sucks to feel like I can't be fully me all the time for fear of protecting myself or being overly vulnerable with the people I need to be vulnerable with, but sometimes feel like I can't. All that to say, I'm really excited about this next step, this next chapter of navigating what it's like to have a lower dosage and just kind of see what goes on and, you know, feeling more motivated and less groggy. And again, that fog and just feeling excited. I've always been excitable. I've always been high energy. And, you know, when you're bipolar, (laughs) high energy can look very, very different for people who aren't bipolar. I was going to say normal, but that's a terrible word when it comes to mental health. But um, anyway, like I said, it's going to be interesting and I'm excited. And when I had brought up my book, I hadn't touched it since 2020. And I was really sad because for these last three years, I've wanted to publish it, self-publish. I've wanted to do something with it, but I lost that clarity and that sense of direction. And I didn't feel like where it left off in 2020 with the ending being, Hey, I'm on meds and I have a proper diagnosis and this is my new life. Um, I just didn't feel like that was the end. And now that I've made these changes and now my medication is changing. I feel like this is really the close of that book. And I had to wait three years and navigate all this for three years to get to this point to be like, that's kind of the close. Um, My second to last chapter was curiosity. And the last chapter was called euphoria. And I feel like the curiosity of studying my body and making myself healthy and being curious of medication led to that moment last week of me letting that fog off a little bit, that euphoric moment of being scared of like, I'm not manic right now, right? I have this energy that I haven't had in a while. And then being like, oh, maybe the meds, you know, are wearing off a little bit because we lowered the dosage. So I'm excited to talk to my, uh, my psychiatrist about it. I'm excited to talk to a therapist. Granted, not that this is relevant, but you know, I might be exploring other avenues. (laughs) 
Um, but I felt like that what what a poetic way to close that chapter. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a second book at some point, but um, again, it's a survival guide. It's a self-help book. And I just feel really good because I, I poured so much of my heart and soul and passion and years of my life into that to feel like I did nothing with it. And that's kind of why now I bring it back up. So to be continued, but I wanted to get on here and just share this with you all because I wanted to document this journey and this experience. And this episode was very healing for me to get all of this off my heart um, and be vulnerable and be raw and real, which is what this podcast is. I don't edit it. I don't, I don't care if I say something that someone doesn't agree with, like, this is me, this is my life. This is my podcast. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. Um, I don't want to give power to the stigma and talking openly like this is, you know, stigmatic. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm going to just make it up. Um, you know, there's a stigma around it. So some people might listen to this and be like, this is stuff you should really keep to yourself. Okay, cool. Well, guess what? Keeping it to ourselves hasn't helped a lot of people, right? There's a lot of people that probably would live a, a healthier life and a happier life if they felt like they could talk about this shit, but there's so much judgment and hate in this world. So judge me, hate me. I don't care. I just hope that this affects one person in a positive way and they feel like there's hope. And if that brings hope, then I will take on all the ridicule, judgment, and hate in the world if it means that I can help someone in the way I've learned to help myself. So that's that. Um, but I also wanted to say a quick announcement here that starting in 2023, I will be bringing guests onto this podcast to further encourage, motivate, inspire this audience. Uh, people will come on this podcast to share their story, whether anonymously or not, whether they are just doing audio for the podcast or whether those who are watching this video on YouTube, whether they'll be on YouTube and you'll see the interview. I want to give power and empower people to have a way to share their story and have that outlet that has helped me so much. And so I truly feel like all of this work that I've done is to be able to help others. And that's why I want to help others, but it's not just helping people. It's truly allow them to live a life that they're proud of a life that they don't feel like they have to hide. So I'm really excited to roll that out and bring people on. So if you're interested in the YouTube show notes and the podcast show notes, there will be a link for the podcast submission form. Would love for you to submit your story. Uh, you can submit topics and you can submit topics anonymously. So if you just think of a topic, but you don't want me to know who you are, fine, do it. And I'll record a solo podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest and sharing your story in a way that, again, there's no judgment, it'll be casual conversation and share what you want to, and you'll feel a lot better and you'll feel heard and you're going to be helping other people too. So again, encourage, motivate, inspire. This is what I do. Uh, encourage, motivate, inspire or EMI came to me in my, uh, my senior year apartment one night randomly. And it took me a while to figure out what I was doing with it, but here we are. So that's where I'm at. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I really appreciate you listening. This has been a big part of my life and I know that I am on the right path to living out my purpose and my passions. And I just wouldn't be here without all of you. Um, obviously my friends and family and people who know me personally, and of course my husband and now our three weenie dogs, since we adopted two, uh, two more weens last week, but things are looking good. And I'm just really happy. I feel really happy. I feel very level-headed and I'm just excited to see where this takes me. So as always guys, peace and love, and I will see you all next time. See ya.